Hey everybody, welcome back to Hopelessly Tatiana. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and listen. June, as you know, is Pride Month. So today, I'm going to take a little time to talk about the LGBTQ community. And to answer the question, are you an ally or an advocate? And why it's important to know the difference. I'm Tatiana. And you're listening to Hopelessly Tatiana. Let's dive in. We all know what Pride Month is. June is the month of the year where we highlight the struggles of the LGBTQ community. It's honestly impossible to talk about today's pride without also talking about the Stonewall riot. But before I talk about Stonewall, I want to set the stage of life in 1969 as a member of the LGBTQ community. Illinois was the only state that didn't have laws against homosexual activity. People would be arrested for not wearing gender appropriate clothing. Medical schools were teaching people that homosexuality was a mental illness that started at roughly age three. Homosexuals would and could be sent to mental institutions that could and did perform castrations, lobotomies, pharmaceutical waterboarding, and electric shock therapy. The mere idea that you could be a happy, well-rounded person and gay was considered a myth. A myth. We're talking like Zeus. A myth. And I'm honestly not doing the situation true justice. That was life in the 1960s. Being gay could literally be a death sentence, or you could be a walking vegetable in a mental institution. That is why places like the Stonewall Inn were so important. Now, Stonewall was not the first resistance within the community, but it is the most famous. Why? Well, the reasons for that vary. Some say it's because it was the day after Judy Garland's funeral. Some say it's because of the famous who threw the first stone debate. But all can agree that on June 28th, 1969, things changed. (laughs) By all accounts, the Stonewall Inn gave dive bars a whole new name. It was Mafia Run, and overall just a real dump of a place. (laughs) But it was a relatively safe bar within the LGBTQ community. And safe was essential. That did not mean that there weren't police raids from time to time, because there definitely were. Now the details of what happened that night do vary. You know, there's Rumors about there being a kick line. Obviously, the who threw the first stone debate. Um, there's a debate over if Molotov cocktails were actually Molotov cocktails were actually used. 
like I said, the details of exactly what all transpired that night or how it kicked off do seem to vary, but the important part is that it happened (laughs) and that it changed something within the community. The following year, on the anniversary of Stonewall, was when we had the very first Gay Pride Parade. So amply named Gay Pride because the goal was to combat the repressive desires of the people at the time and the overwhelming notion that being gay was something to be ashamed of. In truth, the idea that people who are different should be ashamed hasn't gone anywhere. Look at the shift in what we've deemed funny in the last 10 years. It has changed drastically. Jokes that were considered okay are now being recognized as truly being intolerant and insensitive. And people who had ideas that are unacceptable have been called to task. I mean, think about this. In 1997, Ellen was the first lead character to come out as gay in a TV sitcom. To top that, she came out in real life as well. That was huge. In 1997. And then she faced intense backlash for it. In 1997. Like the 90s. The late 90s. Ellen was almost 40 years old. Imagine being 40 and having such a huge part of yourself that you have to keep to yourself or you could lose your job or face death threats. And for those of you who think I am exaggerating, that is exactly what she got when she came out. Death threats. People wanted her to die because she's a lesbian. That is what life was like just in the 1990s. And this is the truth of the LGBTQ plus community. That even 25 years ago, the mere idea of accepting who you are was met with hatred. Hatred for being who you are. (laughs) Just for being who you are. For loving who you love. I've heard people say, reasonable, seemingly right-minded individual people say that legalizing gay marriage would be a gateway to pedophilia and bestiality. For those who seem to have missed the absurdity of that comparison, let me do a quick highlight. Being in a homosexual relationship requires two consenting adults. A marriage is between two consenting adults adults otherwise it is rape and or kidnapping that is not what gay marriage is neither a child nor an animal is capable of giving consent so comparing the two to say that one leads to the other that's just nonsense and it's playing on these irrational fears of the unknown And because I am clearly on the roll to the Christians out there who are 
diehard against gay marriage. Please stop telling me and everyone else that being gay is an immoral sin that will land us in hell. Yes, I said us. I am a bi black woman. That means I like to date both men and women. So please stop telling us that your objections to my personal life is somehow biblical because it's not. Within the book of Leviticus, and Leviticus is the book that is often used to quote why gay marriage is not biblical. Within the book of Leviticus, it lists no less than 70 things that are considered abominations, some of which we've decided to disregard because it's part of our everyday life right now, such as Leviticus chapter 11 verses 11 through 12. And I'm going to summarize it because I was raised on the King James version, which is old English. And yeah, we're not doing that. But it basically states that you can't eat hares, pigs, or any fish without fins and scales. And doing so makes you unclean because they are an abomination unto you. Meaning, you can't eat shrimp, lobster, squid, octopus. But you can eat dolphin. Let that sink in. Obviously, people don't do that. No one eats dolphins. Dolphins are smart and cute and that's not okay. We do not eat dolphin. And people eat octopus. Calamari is a real thing that people, not me, because I don't like. It's a whole nother story. Got like a legit fair of octopus. But people do like octopi. It's apparently delicious. So the point is picking and choosing when to weaponize religion to force people to comply with your wishes is not okay. Religion should not be a weapon okay so story time those that know me in like real life know that i like to tell stories they're my way of teaching lessons and basically like a walking parable just is kind of how i get things across to the world so i'm going to tell a quick story from like my years in undergrad now when i was an undergrad i took my very first trip overseas um it was a school trip we went to london now mind you school trip college i'm like 21 at the time i think i was a senior for this trip um the teachers advised us to always be in pairs which i ignored because again of 21 the reasoning behind it was they didn't want us to get lost or something bad to happen to us so definitely very responsible advice that i just opted to ignore um now again i want to reiterate fully grown adult who can make her own choices just like throwing that out there now for the most part i spent the trip just doing like i did what i was supposed to with the class and then on my free time i went out by myself to explore and at one point the a group of the girls that were on the trip with me invited me to lunch with them and there is obviously a clear leader of this group and she was like hey what are you guys what are you planning on doing and i told her that i planned on going to go see cat on a hot tin roof that night and they were like oh well they plan on seeing a play too they wanted to go see the lion king now backstory to my backstory i had already seen the lion king in theater went and saw it at the fox in st louis with my family didn't really want to see it again in london because i'd already seen it at the fox in st louis with my family so she then put the two plays to a vote and and Cat on the Hot Tin Roof is not a super popular play anyway. You know, not when you compare it to like Lion King. You know, it's 
different. But that was what I wanted to see. And my play lost. They did a popular vote. My play lost. So she said, okay, so we're all going to go see The Lion King. And I said, okay, y'all have fun. (laughs) Which made everybody really confused. So she explained to me that I had just lost the vote. And I said that I saw that, but I'd already seen The Lion King. So I was going to go see the play that I wanted to play that I wanted to see and she said that the teachers wouldn't like that and I then explained that this was quite possibly the only time I would ever have in my life to leave America and I wasn't going to spend it doing something that I could do at home at least that's what I think I did knowing me I very well may have just said and and left so uh the point is I upset the group because I went to go see my play And I mean, they were mad at me. They didn't talk to me for the rest of the trip. Um, But it turned out that that play, which was starring James Earl Jones, Sanaya Lathan, and Felicia Rashad, which are three heavy hitters in the black community, was performing a historic play that was the first time an all-black cast had ever performed on the Upper East Side. They were making history, and I got to watch it. And then I got all of their autographs after that. I did all that on my own, alone, against the advice and well wishes of the people who seemingly knew best for me. And I regret nothing. Did I upset the group? Absolutely. Did I do what the teachers advised me to do? No. Am I perfectly happy and comfortable with my life choices? Yes. Did my life choices impact other people? Actually, no. Now, here's the lesson that this story is supposed to hopefully draw together. The reason, the true, true reason why gay marriage bothers people isn't biblical, it isn't rational. The reality is, that what's bugging people is that they're making personal choices that you disagree with. And that feeling, my friends, is human nature. Dictating other people's actions makes us feel in control of something. That, that's why reality TV show is a, TV in itself is a thing. Like, it gives us a chance to not just watch people's lives, but to give input and expect them to abide by our wishes. And when people refuse to fall in line, that makes us uncomfortable. And then they become the enemy. They become other. Not because what they're doing is actually shameful or because they're doing something bad it's solely because they're bulking the system and we don't like that it's unpredictable and unpredictability makes us feel like unsafe so we try to take control back by forming groups which turn into bullies and then we hurt other people because we can hide behind the hysteria of the masses but this is not progress This isn't a show of strength, it's just fear. And we can't lead or grow from a place of fear. The LGBTQ community did not just spring up out of nowhere. These people have existed forever. Yet, even now, we are still fighting for equality because 
where being different and different is making people uncomfortable. But discomfort only lasts for a short while if you accept it. Once we accept that feeling of being uncomfortable, we're able to address the real questions such as, why do you feel that way? And that, my friend, that is where we start the process of growth. We'll be right back after this sponsor break. Hey, you guys, welcome back. So for this part of the conversation, I want to talk about something that I have been talking about with people for the past month, several months. Honestly, it's a continuous conversation. There's a difference between being an ally and being an advocate for a cause. Having allies is an essential part of the success of any endeavor. Without the support from the majority, it is difficult to create change and impossible to keep it. Now, I know that you know this already, so I'm going to talk about the part that is a little unclear. What is an ally? And how are allies different from advocates? Now, there seem to be multiple schools of thought on this, but I'm going to give you the one that, in my belief, will lead to the least amount of microaggressions. Now, I'm not going to lean too hard into microaggressions today because it's a recurring topic, but before we talk about allyship and advocates, we have to discuss microaggressions. When it comes to any and all minority issues, microaggressions are a constant battle. Microaggressions are subtle comments or actions that demonstrate bias against an individual from a marginalized group. Whether intentional or not, those instances, which often masquerade as good intentions or worse, enlightenment, have the effect of nullifying a person's individuality and humanity, as well as perpetuating inequality in and outside the workplace. This was defined by Lawana Harris in her book, Diversity Beyond Lip Service, Coaching Guide for Challenging Biases. In layman's terms, microaggressions are statements that are rooted in stereotypes that are stated as a generalization, such as deliberately misgendering people or saying to a bi person, being bi isn't a real thing. You just want to have sex with anybody. Or something that's often said to poly people. People who are poly are just commitment phobes who want to cheat on their partners guilt-free. Or something that's said to lesbians. You just haven't had the right dick yet. The list of microaggression examples goes on and on and on. Therefore, it is imperative to have this rather uncomfortable conversation because without it, we will continue to hurt the people that we're trying to help. I'm assuming the hurt is accidental, but sometimes, sometimes it's not. And you know it's not when people make statements and then walk them back with additions such as, I was just joking, or you know I'm not racist, but, or... 
I mean, I don't really think this, but basically if you throw a but in there, everything you said before, it was just pretense. Now, as I have said, I am a bi black woman and the microaggression that I deal with the most is co-signing. What that means is it's when white women or men co-sign on what I'm saying when they don't need to. This sounds like it's not a big deal, but if I make a statement and it's ignored by someone, it's ignored until someone else makes it, my voice has been delegitimized. It's basically saying that my words only count if other people agree or they come out of somebody else's mouth. And we need to get to a place where our own individual voices are taken seriously. Now, what does this have to do with allyship and advocates? Well, for starters, those are two very different terms with distinctly different roles. Allies are people who support a cause, but do not have a tie to said cause. They're usually members of the majority, whatever whatever that may be. So in the case of the LGBTQ plus community, they would be straight men and women who want to support the community. Whereas advocates are people that the cause directly involves and impacts. Advocates are people who are members of the LGBTQ community itself. This may seem like a difference without a distinction or semantics, but trust you me, it is not. The distinction serves a purpose. As I've stated before with co-signing, when someone who is of the majority group makes a statement for people in the minority, it takes away our voices. People stop listening to our opinion until someone from the majority also agrees with us. Now I'm going to give an example. Uh, The most famous example that I can think of that's easiest for everyone to understand would be the civil rights movement. If it had been a white man spearheading that campaign instead of Dr. King, it would have had less of an impact. Why, you may ask? Well, it's because members of the disenfranchised group are the ones who are best able to relate to the needs, wants, and fears of the community that's being impacted. They understand the problem firsthand. And most importantly, they have buy-in because the outcome will impact them directly. How does this relate to LGBTQ issues? Well, when we get legislation and laws and rules that are passed about us, without our input, without our voices, without our presence. Those laws don't tend to fully address the deep-rooted concerns and problems within the community. Doing a callback to Ellen DeGeneres from earlier, she helped create that character that she was using to come out. She talked to her producers about it. She made sure that the episode where she was coming out as a character coincided with her coming out individually she chose to link her own personal story to the character and in doing so she demonstrated to the community the strength and power of living her truth 
Having her come forth in that way created a tidal wave of changes in Hollywood. I mean, will and grace was possible because Ellen was willing to risk it all. If she'd been a straight woman playing a lesbian, then I don't believe it would have landed the same way. It would have been, it would not have galvanized the amount of support it did being the center and the focus of our own movements helps to create change in a way that sticks, not just for the majority, but also within the minority. Believe it or not, even within a minority set, there are people who don't want to change the status quo, not because they like the way things are, but because they're afraid. So being able to see themselves broadcasted taking taking that risk helps so for all of my allies out there we want you to be a part of the conversation we want you to aid us in our quest for equality and the best way to do that is to not just say i know i commit microaggressions or to tell me how aware you are of our differences. The best way to help is to speak to people who think differently from you that we don't have access to. Challenge the beliefs and the ideas of your family and your friends. This will be uncomfortable. This will cost you. But unfortunately, that is the price of admission. Paying lip service by saying that you support us, but not defending us in a space where we can't defend ourselves is worthless. We don't need co-signers. We need actual support. If we are able to speak, let us. If you don't know how to support us, ask us what we need. Together, we can move mountains and I refuse to give up on that ideal but in order for us to stand together I need to first explain to you what standing with me looks like so I hope I did that I also need to thank you to thank all of my allies out there for trying to be and do better Thank you so much for being willing to have these difficult conversations with people that you love. I know it can't possibly be easy. So thank you for doing that. Now we have reached the end of the episode, so I'm going to make a couple of announcements. One, you guys, this episode was extremely difficult to record. It was difficult to write. It was difficult to write and record because talking about issues such as these it's very easy to get angry it's very easy to get lost in the emotional attachment to the way people speak to each other and so my goal with this podcast even if I'm not bringing you new information is to try to bring you a new perspective and to try to do so in a way that does not dehumanize anyone I don't think that we can create any form of progress or hope to have a community that is cohesive if we can't first acknowledge each other's humanity. 
So I really hope that overall everyone understands that regardless of how you feel about topics, I really want everyone to come to a place where we can listen and learn from each other. So that is my goal for this podcast. We are presently at episode, I think this is episode 10, I think. Um, I am going to take a break. Now for those of you that are like, but you took a break for May and June, I'm going to tell y'all the truth. I really didn't. Like I did because I wasn't doing podcasts, but I like didn't because like life was happening at full speed. May is my birthday month. So I was busy getting old. And June was me wrapping up the school year with my students. So I've been super busy. (laughs) And it's finally vacation time. And I need to sleep. Like preferably for like a couple of days at a time. That would be just absolutely fabs. Just fabs, you guys, just fabs. So I'm gonna take a small break. But I will return for season two. I've already spoken to some people that I want to have as guests. Um, I've got some really good ideas for content. I'm going to steer. We're still going to talk about politics, but we're not going to talk about politics the way that I had originally envisioned because we haven't so far and we are 10 episodes in. So I'm just going to accept the reality that what I really want to talk to everybody about is how to be a better human. And that's okay. We, we need more talking about how to be better humans. <laughs> so, uh, those are my announcements, which was basically just me giving you a speech for like five seconds. <laughs> but anyway, so I will be taking a break and we will be returning um, probably sometime in August or September. So I did not just drop off the face of the earth. I am giving you full warning. I'm going to be gone. In that time, I'm going to line up interviews and get stuff sorted so we can come back fresh, new and happy. Um, in the meantime, I will still be on Instagram. I will still kind of sort of be on Twitter and I will still be on Facebook. So if you want to talk, throw it up there. And if something happens, I will, you know, probably do Facebook videos and Instagram videos, which will be shorter than the actual podcast episodes. So no worries. I have not vanished into the ether. Um, so if you do like this content and you want more of it, leave comments, hop on iTunes and leave reviews so the analytics gods know that you like what I'm saying. And for those who do want to talk to me on like all social media platforms, just look for Hopelessly Tatiana. I'm lazy and have the exact same name for everything. (laughs) And you can find my website, which is www.hopelesslytatiana.com. On there, you'll find the podcast episodes but you'll also find my poems because as i've stated i do poetry uh and if i have any events coming up i'll post those for those people who are in beijing and want to know what i'm up to though i honestly don't do a lot of formal stuff since covid is a real thing um but hopefully we'll be able to get back to normal once everyone's vaccinated i can say that in beijing it looks like we'll be one of the first cities to return immunity so hopefully we'll be able to have real events and then at some point i will hopefully do one (laughs) in the meantime i love everyone here and thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to me give you my sage words of wisdom about all these different topics um you are wonderful people you are lights you shine extra bright 
and I don't want you to forget it because I haven't. Consider this. If you want to learn, read. If you want to reflect, write. If you want to change, listen. So, thank you for listening.